This week on a lively experiment, the General Assembly gives the green light to mobile sports betting, but it may not be a done deal yet. And the governor continues to beat the drum for expanded taxpayer-funded college tuition. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us with their insights, Brandon Bell, chairman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, Eva Marie Mancuso, attorney and former prosecutor, and political contributor, Don Roach. Hello and welcome. I'm Jim Hummel. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Legislation that would allow mobile sports betting sailed through the General Assembly and is headed for the governor's desk. But is the ability to place a bet on your phone an expansion of gambling, something voters would need to approve? It's a question that has surfaced over the past several weeks. Brandon, it's surfaced because you're raising the question. Um, there's a lot, there was a lot of talk about this. Uh, you're thinking potentially about filing a suit. Let's talk about where the GOP is on this locally. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily um, want to speak for the entire GOP. Um, I haven't done any polling on the position. I'm not the only one to talk about the fact that the passing of sports betting in general uh, was likely unconstitutional. Um, Joe Larissa, um, an expert in gaming law, uh, had opined about that uh, when they were doing it. He said, look, seek voter approval, uh, get a referendum. That's what we need to do according to our Constitution. The Rhode Island State Constitution requires that when you're expanding the former type of gambling uh, that you seek voter approval. Uh, the lawmakers decided not to do that. Uh, they didn't even seek a Supreme Court advisory opinion, which has been done in the past. Uh, uh, Governor Kacheri did it back in 2004, got an opinion back in five or six weeks, uh, which, he, which said that, uh, you know, which was against what he wanted to hear. Uh, but at least he sought the advisory opinion. Um, I don't understand uh, why it takes citizens to come forward to uh, find that a law is unconstitutional. Why are we passing unconstitutional laws? They're lawmakers. They shouldn't be lawbreakers. Well, my, um, I don't agree uh, with um, my other attorney here. Uh, my, my legal opinion is a little bit different than what his is. But the bottom line is, is that if the GOP feels that the legislature has done something wrong, we have an avenue for them to... Um, file a lawsuit for, a, you know, for 200 bucks. You can sue anybody and file the lawsuit. So, you know, I hear Joe Larissa on the radio. I hear him on TV. I hear the talking. Why doesn't he just walk down to the Superior Court and file the lawsuit or the Federal Court and file the lawsuit um, so that he can get the opinion that he's looking for if, in fact, it, it has to be done? I haven't done an extensive amount of research, but I have read some briefs, and I do believe that we're on all fours with being able to expand sports betting. Even though I'm personally not in favor of it, um, I think that it is constitutional. Well, the non-legal guy here, um, my, my opinion is that what's the rush? You know, what is the rush to pass a law without having this advisory opinion uh, from the Supreme Court? What, wait five, six weeks? Why not just do that versus passing a law and then somehow having it overturned and or spending taxpayer money to fight a potential lawsuit? 
And part of that may be because they're be- they're betting on it, pun fully intended. It's written into the budget. They're counting on the revenue, right? I also wonder, the feeling about gambling has changed. Because we talked about this last week. 20 years ago, you remember all those things went down and people weren't. Now, I think if you put it before voters, uh, I don't know how you feel, Eva, but I think if you put it before voters, yeah. it would probably it would pass, absolutely. right? It's not a substance as much as a form, right? It's not, absolutely. This is about good government as far as I'm concerned, personally. Um, I believe I would vote for it, uh, you know, in favor of, of it. But you just choice. think it should go through the, the I right think it process. Go through. But I am concerned when, now that we're talking about online, which just passed the House the other night, uh, and to, to their credit, the House GOP caucus uh, put an amendment forward asking to seek an advisory opinion. And that was shot down miserably. It was 64 to 10, I believe. Um, I think there was one Democrat that voted with the nine Republicans. It, you know, I am concerned about the online. And I'll tell you why, because I think what ends up happening is you end up with a virtual casino on your phone. And I'm really concerned about uh, this idea that people could be sitting in their, on their couch uh, spending Racking mortgage up a bill, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really concerning. Well, the whole issue of the expansion of, of sports gambling is concerning to me as a, as a citizen. It has nothing to do with my legal opinion. Um, and maybe it's because my father was the head of the organized crime unit for the Rhode Island State Police for so long. And I, I listened to how, how it was the beginning of a lot of organized crime and it was the basis for a lot of it. So maybe it's just my own prejudice in f- as far as the ex- expansion of sports gambling. You know, having said that, you know, I, I remember some of my fondest days with my grandmother is going to play pe- plenty slots with her. And, and now with my mom, if we're, if we're going, we'll take a ride out. Um, yeah, <laughs> it actually that. was because I think it was because it was only pennies and we were going to a casino that was uh, And that it was, was grandma approved. Yeah, and so. it was grandma approved. But um, I think that, uh, so it's not that I don't enjoy it from time to time. I just worry about us... Um, Expanding it and then relying on the on the revenue from it. It feels a little bit like we're uh, Rhode Island Vegas. All right. Um, abortion dominated much of the headlines in the House last week. Now the f- uh, focus shifts to the Senate, and it's interesting that the Senate is not. It's not a done deal. Uh, we the uh, Senate J- uh, Judiciary Committee has not scheduled the vote yet. This is why we have two chambers, and I'm wondering how you see this. There was a lot of headlines, and a lot of people almost thought, "Well, this is passed." Well, you know what? We have another chamber to pass. Yeah, when I, I was trying to stay away from this bill, uh, abortion itself is it's pretty personal to me. My father was left at the hospital. Uh, when his mother had him, um, if abortion was legal at the time, I feel pretty confident that he would have been aborted and I wouldn't be sitting on this panel. Uh, my mother had an abortion uh, because she, she was told that she, her life would be threatened um, if she carried the baby. Uh, but years later found out that that wasn't the case. We had my, my little sister. And so abortion, you know, seeing this kind of conversation happen in Rhode Island uh, recently, it was just tough for me to watch um, and kind of going through the bill and different parts of the bill that are which laws they're repealing. It just makes me feel like people are not really caring about the the babies and frankly, like the spouses, uh, like the husbands uh, who are kind of being kind of left out. And it's just strictly the woman's choice. Um, and I've never felt that that is a hundred percent the case. You know, it takes two people to make a baby in most cases. Um, and I just feel like the, the conversation we're having just feels just, it's, it's not talking about the kids. And I, and I hate to just say that, but it just, I'm just saddened by how we're talking about this issue. 
I, I looked at it from the perspective of, as a lawyer, um, the process. And um, I, was, I was very pleased with the process in that Speaker Mattiello, who was not in favor of the bill, still brought the bill out for a vote. And I think that even Mr. Bell and I can agree on that, that that's a change. You don't think that's a change? <laughs> I think that's a big change in the way that it's done. In the old days, they just killed the bill. And he's and given cover to a lot of legislators in that in the House who may not want to have to cast a ballot one way or the right. other. And, and so now it's, is, a, it's a new day. Absolutely. What he said is that this is something that the public wants to know where our legislators feel on the bill itself. I've listened to our legislators and the public on the issue. Let's have an up or down vote. And that, so now we know where people stand because they had to take a stance and make a decision. And so people would be more informed on it. I, I think that process was something that was a new day for Rhode Island. We didn't have that before. Before it was just killed in committee and what have you. So, so the, the, the only point that Eva is missing, I think, is <clears throat> sure, we want to have up or down votes on various items. But is the way in which Speaker Mattiello manipulated the process to get it to that point. He cares more about his power than he does about the unborn ch children. And no, there's no question in my mind about that. How do you say manipulated I'll tell you the exactly power. how. I'll tell you exactly how. He made sure, and I was not there to, to see this, but I, I could tell you I watched it very closely. He made sure that that judiciary vote came out the way it did. How is it that Representative Jackson from West Warwick, a freshman, voted yes on the bill at a judiciary, but no in, in the chamber. He was tricked. Guaranteed he was tricked. They knew that bill tricked would go down. Well, I believe that the speaker and his staff absolutely manipulated him to think that it had to go to the floor. They made sure that they whipped those votes. So to say that we, and I do, we rail about good government, we want up and down votes on, on a variety of issues, but that was a manipulation in the opposite direction. Um, he cares more about his power, and I could tell you right now, I have no doubt in my mind that he made a deal, and it's probably to retain his speakership and possibly for some votes on his budget to actually make sure that this got to the floor. Which but, it got out, but it got out to the He's floor. He's got a lot of skeletons here. That he, I mean, that's a lot of innuendo and, and su power. supposition. But it's Rhode Island. No, it's just kind of how we how we do business. So what I'm saying is, know? it is Rhode Island, and I'm proud that we're doing something different. This is good government. This is when somebody. When's the last time a Speaker of the House came out and said, "I'm not in favor of this bill, but I'm going to let it go to the floor for a vote"? Come on, that doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and the president and you can't even get, it. Or, uh, at the time I, she did it with uh, uh, gay marriage. I know she did, but that's the Senate. I'm talking about the House. When's the last time the House but did it? When's the next time? Because there's a well, lot of bills. Line out of veto. Let's do that on line out of veto. The majority big... of people want on line out of veto. He will not let that get to the floor in a million years, Eva. Mark my words. Well, all I'm saying is it's a new day, and as far as I'm concerned, to see the whole thing. And I know, Senator Piva, we did it on gay marriage. I was there. I watched the vote. It was really, um, it, it's really the way government should work. But it, in effect, you know, it was a win-win for the Speaker because he got to he got to bring it out. And we talked about this last week. I think that took a little bit of the wind out of the sails of the so-called Reform Caucus, and you had a lot of women who said, hey, you know, you know, you're never listening to us. Well, the bill's on the floor. At the same time, he got to vote against it, whether it was manipulated or not. So with the exception of the right to life people, I think a lot of people said, hey, the, the speaker did the right thing because he voted his conscience. But it's not it's not a win win, because as you point out, right to life for him, is the basis, which was the basis of his support, a big part of his support. They didn't want the good government. 
so they came out against him. They wanted him. it squashed, wanted it squashed in, committee. in committee. And exactly. they and they blamed him for that. So I mean the guy can't win. But you're talking about a, a special interest group, the rights life. You're not talking what Don was talking about it on his position for abortion, and not to get into a long thing here. Sure. I've been right to life my my entire forty seven years I've been born alive. Forty six years Are you that old? Wade, I'm old. Forty <laughs> forty you know, forty six years Roe v. Wade has been the law. And you'll very rarely ever have heard me talk about it. I don't stand in front of Planned Parenthood's in protests. I just think I've accepted the fact that Roe v. Wade's the law. It has woken people like me up on the pro-life movement. So the right to life um, organization that contributes and, and, and gives endorsements is very different than people like myself as an activist who's saying, hey, what are you doing? You're waking, you're, you're, you know, you're actually pushing the issue. You're overplaying your hand here because you're expanding Roe v. Wade. I also wonder about the rush because everybody said we're imminently, one, you'd have to get another justice. And two, couldn't the House convene at any time and the Senate. We'll see what happens in the Senate. If there was an imminent threat to Roe v. Wade, you was, would have them in off session if you had to. There right? was an amendment, the most simple amendment, besides the, the, the most substantive, like the fetal homicide laws, to, to repeal those laws. To put that aside for a moment, the, the most simple amendment would be to say it is this law becomes effective on the day that Roe v. Wade gets overturned. Simple as that, a trigger. Why don't, we do, why don't we have that? Yeah, I just think, Eva, it feels somewhat naive to say that Speaker Mattiello was trying to do good government. With all the things that we have seen in Rhode Island over the years, that to me, I think it's more of what Brandon is talking about, that he made choices to help buttress his power uh, within the House. And I just feel like that's clear as day to to Rhode Island voters. All right. Uh, Do any of you have 16-year-olds out there? Do you think they would go to the polls to vote if they were given the opportunity? Um, a national bill in the House is part of a larger package that would make Election Day a national holiday, require the president to um, any president to uh, produce his tax returns. And a couple other things came along with the 16 year old voting. Uh, uh, Congressman Langevin, Cicilline and Joe Kennedy in Massachusetts um, uh, approve of this. We both have had 16-year-olds. What do you think? Well, I think that if we're going to even think about that, we should start talking about putting civics back in the school curriculum and teaching kids about what it means to vote. Uh, I, like you, I'm sure, and I think that when you covered my campaign, you, I talked about this. Um, for Attorney back, General. For Attorney yeah. General, is that um, all five of my children at one point in time have accompanied me into the voting booth because that's how important we think it is. But if you're not learning civics at home, you're not learning it at school anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we're not putting it in the curriculum and we're saying go out and exercise this important right to vote with no background as to what to do, first of all, we're setting the kids up to fail. Right. I mean, second of all, it's we don't need uninformed voters going in saying, I really like the way so and so wears their hair or how they're dressed or what have you. I have met 16 year olds that I would give the right to to run the country because they're that they're that advanced. But on the whole, when I look at from the education chair perspective and I look at what's going on in our elementary, middle and high school on the civics issue, no way. Mr. Bell. I, I don't. I, I I'm blown away by this. This is like the democratic platform of the future. I think. I don't, I have no idea what anyone is thinking and why this is even a priority uh, up in Congress. But the way I thought about it was, where do we draw the line? Why don't we just make it kindergarten? You know, and so kindergarten voters, and it'll be you know AOC. Um, vote for AOC when you learn your ABCs. You know, free ice cream and recess. You know, the, the... you just may have given them a uh, <laughs> a platform. What do you think, Don? You know, I think I'm probably pretty extreme on this particular issue, I, I, I'm in favor of it. 
Uh, and I would be in favor of giving kindergartners the right to vote. <laughs> Any citizen, I feel, who can read, I feel like should be able to vote. And here's why. We talk about educated voters. Voters who are adults aren't educated today. A lot of people vote because you have an R or you have a D next to your name or if you have an Italian-sounding last name, an Irish-sounding last name. There's not a lot of, there are a lot of voters out there who are not very educated. And I think that kids are way more curious than adults. And I think, can you imagine a town hall with President Trump and a bunch of middle schoolers and the types of questions that they would ask? Um, so I think it's a great idea. As long as we do the town halls, and that's what I said, that was my caveat, as long as we put the civics into our program, because a lot of, I don't see a lot of that happening, both in the school curriculums and also outside. I think they're spending more time uh, developing sports teams and and other things than the civics that I know I had, because I'm much older than you are, (laughs) that we had in school, that that was part of it. I mean, we had, we had student government. I mean, when I ran for student council president in middle school, I mean, it was the whole (laughs) school out. It was a month campaign. It was exciting. We did posters and position papers and issues and and you didn't have to worry about social media you don't have to right exactly and and, yeah no you didn't really easy easy all right let's stay on uh, education the governor continues to beat the drum as we said for her taxpayer funded expansion of rhode island promise eva i know where you stand on this let me let me go to and i kind of know where you are don we haven't had you on since this has begun this is another 10 million on top of the the five that has already been committed what do you think about this you know this is a it's a tricky situation issue for me because um, as someone who really had a lot of loans coming out of, you know, when I graduated from college and uh, had to do like work study programs, um, I like the idea behind uh, helping folks who may not be able to afford to go to college uh, to provide them, you know, funding to go to college. But I just feel like uh, the governor is not also thinking about once these folks graduate, what jobs in the state are they going to go to? Because uh, like myself, as someone who lives in Rhode Island and has worked in Massachusetts for the last, I don't know, almost 14 years, you know, we need to have jobs for these folks. It'd be, it's great that our institutions will educate them, but who is going to provide them with jobs? And I but wish she's billing this as we need them to go to college for the job. So you raise a good question. She's basing it as workforce development. Uh, well, it is work. Sorry, it is workforce development, but not necessarily for Rhode Island. <laughs> It'll be for Mass. How about K through twelve? Come on, yeah. what are we do. I, I mean, we look at this. We agree. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's let's, you know let's a little separation K-12. here. You know how I feel about K through twelve. I mean, it's we we can't put enough money into our we can we can put that money into the funding formula we can do so much more to develop that system the dual enrollment so that the kids are that the want to go to college we can work on the dual enrollment and but to just have this ticket saying okay if you graduate from high school you get this for free no strings attached it's just not the best way to use our money that's what i'm talking about i look at the let's build the kids there we shouldn't have kids doing remediation using pell grant money period right and, yeah. and so when we don't have that then we can talk about free tuition right i mean do you buy it's like do you buy a kid a car you know when they can't drive i mean what are we what are we giving these kids if they're not getting what they need from k through 12 you know, the, the one thing that, that kills me is that statistic about, uh, what are we, like, we'd, if we were a school district in Massachusetts, the whole state of Rhode Island would be in the bottom 10 or right. 15% of school districts. It's, it's pathetic 
you know, uh, what we're doing right now with K through 12. What struck me, though, and was... And we spend more money than Massachusetts does per, per, per pupil. What struck pupil. me, though, was that they had an expansion. She wants to expand it to Rick and URI. And anybody over 25 who wants to go to, go to CCRI, I'm like, at 25, you can't... I, I didn't get that part of it. Yeah, there are... A lo- schools are getting more and more expensive. Um, I, I can say that as an adult who got my master's degree... When I was older than 25. Um, so <clears throat> I like the idea behind this. I really do like the idea, but as, as Brandon and Eva were mentioning, there are other ideas that she's not talking about that we should be talking about. How's this? Somebody, I heard somebody on the radio the other day when this came up said, everybody who gets a Rhode Island Promise loan should have to work at a beach or a park, and that would solve your beach fee problem, right? They need, it would be work study, wouldn't it, in the summer? What do you think about that, former chairman of the uh, Board of Education? (laughs) Anything that keeps people working in this state, and you know my story, is my kids are all public school school kids. Um, Two of them were educated at the University of Rhode Island. No one works in Rhode Island. They all work out of state. Yeah. which means they take my grandchildren with them. So that's another <laughs> issue. But, you know, I mean, that's really an issue. I mean, these are, these are Rhode Island-born, Rhode Island-bred, and when I die, I Rhode Island-dead kids. I mean, they are they are local kids. And what am I going to say to them? Just stay here because mom and dad are here? They have great jobs in other states. Right. In other right. states. I want to get to the, uh, the college uh, admission scandal. We will get to that momentarily. Let's do outrageous. Brandon, what do you have this week? Oh, my goodness. So I guess... Um, uh, it's a complete outrage to me that Governor Raimondo, shockingly, she's part of my outrage, uh, was at Harvard the other day, and she said that she's not a publicity seeker. She is the most blatant and obvious publicity seeker this state has ever seen. Mayor Buddy Cianci, God rest his soul, doesn't hold a candle to Gina Raimondo when it comes to politic- publicity seeking. She has spent millions upon millions of dollars on uh, PR, most of which is our taxpayer money. So it is absolutely outrageous that she could actually say that to an audience. Don, did you want to comment on that? No, 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 no. no, no, no. I said you were going to jump in. Well, let's go with you. I I was going to do a kudos. There you go. Can I do a kudos? Kudos are fine with me. Um, Senator Martha McSally, um, uh, Rhode Island. I don't know her personally. I know the family, what have you. Um, I was so proud of her to step forward and talk about what happened to her when she was in the military. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the church and what happened there. We don't, we don't spend time on other male-dominated institutions like the military and what happened to people in there. And I, I just was so proud of her. And she's had to swallow that for I, all right. those years, and I watched probably t- thinking, I better not talk right. as I move up the ranks, right? Right. right. And I watched her testimony. Um, and I was just I was just so proud. I said to myself, it, it's got to be so hard to be out there so publicly uh, to talk about that, especially because you know the whole um, military group and how they've supported her in terms of the big picture part. So I was really proud that she did what she did. Yeah. Don, what do you have? So I have an outrage and a kudo. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's that's loaded loaded right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Don is making his return to yeah. lively right. after you know, a little gotta, hiatus, so we'll give, you a little, we'll give you a little... Yeah, he has to catch up for like right. five years' worth yeah. of... Uh... Uh, but Mayor Correa of Fall River. Uh, the out- this isn't the kudo. Is this is, yes, yes, it's the kudo and the outrage. Oh, Go ahead. Um, the kudo is... How he was able to get reelected 
I got to give him some props for that. <laughs> you know, and then the outrage is, how do they re-elect him? Oh, how? 61% voted to recall him. And, hey, it's a five-way race. We know about that in the governor's oh, race, right. don't we? Right. Yeah. yeah, and I guess Fall River had a chance to change the way they do this years ago, and they rejected it. So this is what if you get. If we throw a few 16-year-olds on top of There you go. We're talking about educated voters. It would have been a landslide. Ice cream. You know? He's closer to the 16-year-olds <laughs> than he is to the 40-year-olds. All right. Uh, for, let's talk about the college scandal. We've all had kids with, well, not all of us, but you and I have had kids oh. in college. I look at this, and of course there's a Rhode Island angle, right? The guy from Georgetown, who's the, the famous Ernst family. Yeah, and I know this is, well, Let's talk up? about that to begin with. It's got to be tough because you knew the Ernst family. Of course, thing. I know them all, know them all. And it's just, it's outrageous. I just, it, it takes helicopter parents to a brand new level, and it really shows in this country, what has happened with our with our education process? And so, just to set the table for those who may not have seen right. it, living under a rock, is that a, a big national scandal? Actresses, CEOs, they paid this guy to juice the tests, make up fake like they're on the crew team and they're sitting on a skull or whatever, and and that got them into the most prestigious schools. And now the cards are all tumbling. And I also think if you're trying to help your kid, this is the ultimate way not to help your right. kid, right? And how I want to wait to see what happens when they start peeling back the onion. Oh, because there had to onion. have been administrators that knew that. There had to have been people higher up. You know, it's like anything else. I don't want the drug dealers. Yeah, I yeah. want the drug lords. Did you say off camera they're starting to boot the kids out? Yes, yeah, so apparently on the, on, at least on the celebrity ones that we all have heard about this week, uh, Felicity Hoffman and, uh, and La- La- Lori Laughlin, Laughlin. Yeah. Um, the, the, the kids are... No relation to John Laughlin. Not, no, 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 <laughs> don't put John in this. Don't put my, my, my buddy John in this. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is so stunningly stupid. I mean, how, <laughs> you think about it, how many times have you been on college campuses, you know, my college campuses, my kids' college, have you name it? Where there are buildings named after people. I mean, that's there's a way yeah, to do Bell it legally. Center, right? There's a way the Pell, yeah, Pell Bell, same thing. There's a way to do it legally. <laughs> you can do this. I have bridges named after, well, sort of. I mean, Alexander Graham Bell. I could say that was my you know, great, 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 great grandfather. This is so ridiculously stupid. And you know what's such a shame about this is now it's causing people who uh, went to these prestigious schools to now say, no, 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 my my family didn't pay for me to go there. How horrible is that? Everybody gets indicted by association. But who's really surprised by all of this? You know, if we think about it, women have had the right to vote for the last hundred years. People who are in power have tried to maintain that power for, for since the beginning of time. And now how do you do it? You do it with money now. Um, and you can, you know, cheat and whatever. But... To, for anyone who's out there watching this or reading about this, you can't be surprised by what's happening. Um, I'm more surprised that um, even though they got caught, our government is actually prosecuting them. That's, what, that's what's more surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that you, you were telling me off camera that probably every U.S. attorney has thought about this case. Every U.S. attorney has thought about but it. But this guy pulled the trigger in Massachusetts. I am proud to say that I actually know this guy. I had a case uh, where I was peripherally, he was involved as one of the assistant U.S. attorneys before he was appointed by you President You weren't a defendant, Trump. were you? I was not the defendant. I was representing a very nice defendant. Um, and, 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 and he was appointed by President Trump uh, back in 2017, uh, Andy Lelling. And let me tell you, while he didn't do it alone, um, for him to have taken on this type of case, he had 300 FBI agents helping him. But to, for him to take on this kind of case and for them to prosecute uh, the way they're doing, I think this is um, it's fantastic that it's, it's shining light on this. Put your prosecutor's hat on. Where does it go from oh, here? Oh, boy, I'll tell you. I, I'm telling you, the onion's going to get peeled back because there's no way that a Gordy Ernst coach on this level 
um, is making all the decisions that went all the way up. So you're going to have them start turning state's evidence and start giving information oh, yeah. and start peeling it back to see how far it went up and how, uh, really, how systemic the problem is, you yeah. know, to look at it. And and I don't look at it as there's ways to do it and other things. I'm just not as cynical as you are. <laughs> well, I'm you know? Is there not the Mancuso Center for Fine Arts down at uh, URI? It, it, yeah, with the $12? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're, we could not bribe people. We couldn't do it, right? There's going to be some kind of amnesty period where people can come forward and say, I bribed someone. So, so they're going to go for the, they're going to look for the college presidents. And they're going to, right. that's what's going to well, happen. Well, because the guy you know, singer, he's singing, right? right. He's singing. Right. right. He's and wearing wires, too. Right. And, and final word. Yep. Yeah, there, it's an indictment of, of those who are in power. Just be ready. If you look at, like, the church, the Me Too movement, um, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, a lot of things that have been kind of behind closed doors are coming to light. All right, folks, that is all the time we have. Another, the fastest 30 minutes in uh, television, as we like to say. Brandon and Eva and Don, nice to have you back after all of these years. And nice to have you back every week. We hope you join us back here next week as a lively experiment continues. experiment is generously underwritten by for 30 years a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing rhode islanders hi i'm john hazen white jr and i'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program 